Welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Over the next hour, you will hear raw, honest, and inspiring conversation between Lindsay and her guests, discussing how to thrive, live joyfully, and abundantly in spite of life's challenges. Now, here is your host, Lindsay McCowan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically. I am Lindsay McCowan, and I am so flippin' nervous in this moment right now. So this morning, I got up, you know, early as I usually do so that I could get in my uh, morning practices. And I recall like standing in the kitchen and I was making my tea, like heating the water up. And I just had this intuitive hit. It was just like tiny, tiny, subtle hit. It was fleeting and so subtle that I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. I mean, it could simply have been one of my fears popping into my head early in the morning. You know, I mean, I have a lot of them that float in and out of my mind throughout the day and they can start as soon as I wake up. So when I had this, this little, this little hit, I was like, well, you know, I just kind of brushed it aside and went on about my morning routine. And so I grabbed my tea and I went upstairs and I rolled out my yoga mat and I, you know, I did my yoga practice. And usually the interesting thing is usually I chant and center myself before I do a physical practice. But today, for some reason, I decided to just go right into the physical movement practice. And, and then I was like, okay, now I'm ready to sit and, and do my chanting and my meditation. And there's a particular chant that I've been working with and I'm listening to it on SoundCloud. It's by Stephanie Chi Berea. And I absolutely love this mantra and this chant and so I'm sitting in my chair, I'm looking for it. And for some reason, instead of just going right directly to the app to open it up, I clicked my, on my email and I was like, you know, we all know that's a bad idea, right? So, but it was, I now know it's my intuition that was just pulling me to open my email. And so as I opened it up, the very first email, it was a message from today's guest now, today's guest um, was meant to be, a, well, she is a lovely guest, and but she was sending me a message saying that she had to cancel, that she uh, was experiencing a debilitating migraine. And if any of you have listened to the show in the past or know anything about my story, I mean, I know all too well how debilitating migraines can be. I mean, over a year ago, I was experiencing them two to three times a week. And they just wreck havoc on your life. So, of course, I was filled with empathy for her in that moment, like knowing, like, I know it's when they are bad, all you can do is just go into a dark room and just wait it out. You know, just you have to just be with the pain until it subsides. So, it's an awful, awful experience. So, yeah, I was like, okay that's awful for her to experience. But in that moment, I was like, well, that leaves me without a guest today. And so this isn't a podcast. I mean, you might be listening to it on demand on in one of the six different podcast sites that the show is saved to, or maybe you're listening to it on demand on Voice America's empowerment channel, but it's not a podcast. It's a live radio show. And so a live radio show means that you got to show up. The show must go on. 
And in that moment, I did have two options. I could have canceled uh, when someone cancels last minute as host of a live radio show, we have the option to replay an older show. We can choose, we can choose the most popular show we've ever had and just replay that. Or we can step in and just do a solo show. And what was interesting is like when I was reading that email, I didn't have this quick response action. I didn't really feel any sense of fear. In that moment, I had the certainty that I'm not going to do a replay. I'm going to do the show. I'm going to step in. I'm going to do the show. I didn't jump up from my chair and rush to my computer and start typing up a show. Now, keep in mind, like when I do a solo show, it takes me about a week to write the show. And it's about, it really comes out to about 11 pages. Every time I do a solo show, it's remarkable how every show is about 11 pages. And so I knew it, knew it was going to take some time to get my thoughts together and write this out. But did I, I didn't rush to do that. I was already in my chair. I was like, okay, I know I'm going to do the show, but I'm also going to do my practice. So I closed out the email. I found the mantra and I sat and I did the mantra that I've been working with. And I proceeded to finish my practice and I sat there and just felt the sense of certainty and groundedness and feeling really rooted in my decision. And in that decision, not to shrink away and take the easy route out. The easy route, as I mentioned, would have just found a show that was super popular replay it, and then go about my day, have some free time, quote unquote, free time to do some of the things that are on my to-do list. I mean, I have a to-do list that covers about three whiteboards and I could have used that extra time today. I am telling you what, to knock some of those tasks out that feel like I'm putting out fires all the time, all day long, just putting out fires. And so, cause I never feel like I'm ahead of, (laughs) ahead of the game on these things. But I didn't choose that route. I knew that wasn't the route that I was meant to take today. You know, my task manager would have loved to get some of those things done. I could have pampered that perfectionist part of myself who fears making an error and being judged for it. I could have been like, okay, we're not going to do it. Then she could have stayed safe in her perfectionism. And then the part of me that is overworked and exhausted would have loved it if I would have simply just acknowledged, oh. Just take the day, just take this next hour and rest, go for a walk, do something really nourishing for yourself. But none of those parts were the parts that were most predominant in my head in that moment. Those weren't the ones that were guiding me. It was the guidance from my higher self, that part that felt very grounded and spacious and very clear in that moment. The higher self that is really rooted in courage, confidence, clarity, compassion, connection, creativity, calmness, and centeredness. And so this was the part that was most accessible to me in the early morning hours. It usually is. The early morning hours are those that sweet, spacious time when I can feel this part of myself and be connected to her, when all the other parts of my mind 
haven't fully awakened and been charged up or activated or triggered and start to get really noisy and bossy. My higher self is the aspect of soul that said, meh, don't worry about it. Stay here. Sit in the yumminess of your practice, of your, your, your mantra, of your meditation. Just be here in this spacious place where there's really no doubt or fear because you got this. We have this. Regardless of the outcome, we have this. And so what I'd like to do is just take a moment and let's just take a moment to center ourselves together. You know, I always like to start the show with a centering practice. And so that you get to experience that part of yourself as well that can be calm. We will say calm, cool, and collected. So wherever you are, either standing, seated, lying down, just connect to your breath. Just breathing in and out through your nose. And begin to create a rhythm of breath that feels calming, that feels nurturing. When those lower aspects of mind, the ones that kind of nip at our heels and critique us and judge us and push us, when those are predominant, our breath tends to be short and tight. But we can shape our breath in this moment to bring our connection back to that calm, steady, centered place. And that calm, centered, steady place would breathe with fullness. Would be able to take a deep breath in and feel the fullness of life and be able to release a nice long exhale and surrender all of those parts. I just have a very loud voice, but often don't speak the truth. So we'll just do this a couple more deep breaths in through the nose and out through the nose and just notice how by breathing in and out in this way, how you feel in your body as you shape your own breath. Oftentimes I like to close my eyes when I do this so that I don't have the distraction of all the things around me to pull my attention and my energy away. But I take my outer gaze and I bring it inward and I feel into my breath and how I am feeling in my body so then I can understand what part of me is leading. Is it that part that is calm and collected and cool and confident? Or is it that part that is fearful, doubtful, afraid of being criticized or ridiculed for not doing a good job? So let's take another deep breath in. Oh, and out. And then you can stay here and breathe here as long as you like. But definitely stay with me as I share this this famous quote. It's by Theodore Roosevelt. And it's about striving valiantly and daring to be great. And this quote was made even more famous by the famous Brene Brown. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share it with you, but I'm going to share it with a slight adaptation. I'm going to replace the word man with woman. I mean, after all, the show is women thriving unapologetically, right? Okay, so here it is. 
It is not the critic who counts, not the woman who points out how the strong woman stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the woman who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming, but who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends herself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of achievement, and who at the worst, if she fails, at least she fails while daring greatly, so that her place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. He wrote this in a speech at, for, uh, at the Sorbonne Paris, April 23rd, 1910. And I might have pronounced that incorrectly, but oh well. <laughs> so the most dangerous and critic in my case this morning, and in most cases, would be my inner critic. She nitpicks me apart in everything I do or don't do when I let her. I mean, she is quite bossy and she pushes her opinion on me. She puts her hands on her hips. Sometimes she wags her finger in the gesture, I told you so. I have come to recognize her voice, her energy, and where she resides in my body. She has a very unique energetic signature that is really, um, it's hard to mistake, but it's easy to overlook. And what I mean by that is we've all become so ingrained in our habits that even the most intense signals just become normal and we continue on with our day. So the intense stress we experience weekly is, is now normal. When our bodies feel fatigued, oh, that's normal. I'll just reach for some more caffeine. That becomes normal. Our minds are so wound up from the intensity of our work and from just pushing ourselves to limit after limit. At the end of the day, we're just so wound up that we can't relax. So we reach for a glass of wine every night, maybe two, maybe three. That becomes normal. Anxiety and depression, they've all become normalized. It's now the new normal to be experiencing burnout, overwhelm, fatigue, chronic fatigue. When this was not normal 50 years ago, 40 years ago, it's become part of our vernacular. And so today was an example, just a moment in time where I was able to have spiritual proof of my practices, spiritual proof that all the hours, all the years of devoted practice were working. Because we've been conditioned to believe that we must get immediate results from our efforts, that if it's not working in that moment, oh, I'm going to reach for the caffeine. Oh, I'm going to reach for that glass of wine. Oh, I'm just going to do the same things. I'm going to scroll on social media for hours. But if we give time to our practices, 
and we don't move quickly on to the next thing, looking for the next hit, the next um, something that will take us out of the discomfort, what will happen is we'll start to bear witness to the proof, to the spiritual proof. Because, you know, we are humans. We've been conditioned to believe that what we want, we want it now. We don't want to wait. And if we don't get it immediately, we assume it's not working. Let's move on. Try something else. The true meaning of yoga is the union of body, mind, soul, and spirit. And many of you know that I'm a yoga and meditation educator as well as a spiritual, a women's spiritual empowerment coach because I bring in that aspect of spiritual teachings that are really deeply rooted in a living tradition of yoga. And according to yoga, we suffer because of the illusion of separation between our individual consciousness and from universal consciousness. And there is an ancient ancient yogic text called the Yoga Sutras. And this is a practical guide to your spiritual journey of remembering that union, of remembering who you really are. And there's so many gems in this text. But the one that I recall time and time again, especially when I feel things are not working, is that the Yoga Sutras tell us that in order for your practice to bear results, to see some results happening in your external world, as mostly internal world, but also external world, that you must practice consistently, consistently, and that you must practice over the course of a long time. So we're practicing consistently day in, day out, over the course of a long time. And that long time is really our lifetime because we're consistently being hit with challenges over and over again. So why wouldn't we do a practice that helps us mitigate those challenges? And the third thing is that we must practice with a sense of awe and reverence to be in awe of something greater than ourselves, to be in awe of something greater than our lower mind, our egos, and to sense that there is something else there that is supporting us and guiding us. And what happens is when we do this practice consistently over our lifetime with this sense of awe and reverence, we are able to witness these three things, that we have more joy, we have less fear, and we're able to create things in our life in less time. We have more joy. There is less fear getting in the way of us stepping into and through challenges And in doing that, what happens is that we're able to create things in less time. And so what I'd like to add to this is that you will also become more grounded and steady, calm and clear when those challenges come up. And so this morning, the inner critic didn't have space to voice her fears because self was present, higher self was present. That part of me that is rooted in my essential nature, that part that says, step into the arena, expand your capacity, follow your heart, trust your intuition. And so what I'd like to do is just take a moment here just to feel what that would be like if you could step into that arena, regardless of the fears that might be showing up. Be rooted in self. Trust that that step is going to help you 
expand into the next greater capacity, what would that be like? So we're already up to the first break of the show. And so what I'd like to invite you to do is to reach out to me and connect because in building community, we build connections and we build strength and the courage to continue to step into that arena. And the way you can connect to me is by going to my website, lindsaymccowan.com. You'll scroll down just a little bit and find what's called the clarity call. And it's a complimentary call with me where we just get to connect to each other. We get to talk about all of these things. And I get to share with you steps to help you find your courage and connection so that you can step into the arena for yourself with conviction and certainty. Okay, my friends, we'll be back right after this short break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv slash goddess to sign up today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Hello and welcome back to the show. You know, before the break, I was sharing with everyone how I had a guest lined up for today and she had to cancel last minute due to a debilitating migraine and that left me in this space of, okay, what do I do? Do I do a replay of the show or do I step into the arena and do a solo show? And I didn't have anything prepared. And, you know, from the very beginning, Voice America, you know, I have an, a, an executive producer saying, make sure that you always have a backup show just in case a guest cancels. Because if you do live radio long enough, things happen and a guest will cancel. Now, did I heed that advice? No, I certainly did not. And I have this check radio checklist that I printed out for myself. So before the show, I have all these things that I make sure that I do before I go live. And on that list is have a show ready in case a guest cancels. I still don't do it. So here I was this morning, like, okay, I had a choice and I chose the challenge. Because I could feel in my body that I was aligned with my higher self 
And I have done this work long enough that I need to trust her. I know that if I trust her, it will guide me to where I need to be. And it may be scary. It may be challenging. I may come out of that arena, as we were talking about with Theodore Roosevelt's quote, like maybe come out of that arena covered in dust and marred and bloody. But I get to experience the triumph of doing something that was scary and fearful and knowing that I did it. I did it. And releasing the outcome. And so we were talking about the yoga sutras and the things that we can do to help us have that courage, have less fear and more joy. And, you know, the yoga sutras also lets us know that those parts of us that suffer, they're suffering because we've forgotten who we really are and that we are living from ego and that we're clinging to pleasure and pain and that we're fearing death because yoga is a remembering and a forgetting. It is remembering of who we are and the forgetting of who we are not. We are not that inner critic who says you can't. We are not our past. We are not our fear. We at our core are expanded awareness. We are the consciousness of creativity, certainty, compassion, and infinite understanding. So stepping into the arena, whatever it represents to you, can be incredibly vulnerable. And vulnerability is not comfortable. We have a a very felt response. Like our nervous system responds to vulnerability. Our primitive brains are activated and it perceives vulnerability as a very real threat. Our primitive brains take that as a threat to our life, which is the fear of death. Remember, like Yoga Sutra says, that we're not rooted in self if we're fearing that death or we're suffering because of that fear. And that fear of death can be figurative or it can be literal, especially for women. It is in our DNA that if we are to be seen, if we are to speak up, if we are to take up space, that is dangerous. For in the past, and not only from the distant past, but even in our recent history, when women dared to step into the arena, they were burned. They were shamed. They were ridiculed. They were imprisoned. And so the last witch trial in the United States was less than 150 years ago. 150 years ago is not that long ago. Only a couple of generations So Lucy Pierce in her book, Burning Woman, and I so hope she will come on the show. I've reached out to her. So let's all send some love and energy to Lucy Pierce because she is absolutely incredible. And if you haven't read her book, Burning Woman, then I highly recommend it. She writes in her book that in Europe, there are estimates of up to 9 million women that were burned as witches from 1450 to 1750. That's 300 years, 9 million women. Now, history will say it's much less than that, but we know history likes to to cover up the truth of its atrocities. So a woman who lived during these times and was in constant threat, and even during our times, are in constant threat of being burned. Back then it was being burned alive. Now it's being burned for living speaking and acting in ways that are contradictory or questioned by cultural norms. 
And so if you surround yourself with medical or, you know, spiritual, or if you kind of butt the system, you know, like, okay, I'm pushing against the, the dominant cultures, medical, spiritual, or hierarchical systems or beliefs, you get burned. And so women are burned for living on their own terms, for trusting their intuition, to following their hearts, to finding their voice, to claiming their space. And so these systems at every turn, then and even now, will depict us as the center. I mean, just look at modern Christianity. Who's, who's, the, who's the cause of all sin? It was a woman. And then at every turn, we're told that we're less than a man, that our power is limited, that we are denied self-authority that we are denied true connection and expression of our sexuality. And then and hence, we are denied economic survival based on a lot of the systems that we have still in place to this day. And so according to the World Health Organization, around 500 women a year are killed as witches in Tanzania. That's, that is not an old statistic. That is current. In 2010 and 2012, over 2,100 women were burned in India as witches. You might be thinking, well, that's, that's not the United States. That's not the Western world. But isn't it? How are we burned as women now? If we dare to step into the arena and claim our voice, assert our power and our insights, if we insist on our rights, we get viciously attacked. I mean, how many of you have been attacked on social media in some way? I know I have. How many have you feel like you've been burned by a culture intent on keeping a woman in her place, taking away her reproductive rights? This is done through many ways, manipulative ways. It's done through shaming. It's by destroying reputations, undermining our voices. It's by trying to just hit us hard, trying to weaken our mental and physical health. And so the shaming and attacks can be subtle or they can be overt. And the real danger, the real danger is when the thousands of years of attacks and beliefs that women are not of value and that there's a danger of stepping into the arena now, if that gets inside of us, it becomes part of our subconscious belief systems it gets so deeply embedded that we might not even be aware that it's impacting the way that we move, speak, the choices that we make in our lives. And so when we are called to step into a role, an opportunity, or a situation that needs us to be seen, heard, to lead, and that part of us that fears being burned will show up. And so she may show up as the inner critic. She can show up as the perfectionist. She can show up as self-doubt or the procrastinator. Now, these parts aren't bad. They're simply there trying to protect you from danger. And they may not be able to perceive that the danger is not real or it's a threat that's not life-threatening. So it's kind of like a real tiger versus paper tiger. But sometimes even those paper tigers can really have some sharp claws, but we as women are responsible for discerning the difference. It is us up to us to become familiar with these parts, to really understand where they live in our bodies, 
and what is their unique energetic signature so that when we are called to expand to a greater capacity and feel the heat in our chest or the knots in our gut or the tension in our throats, we can like, oh, I recognize that sensation. It's just a part of me that is responding to this situation, to this experience, to this moment, to this opportunity, to this calling. And it's an opportunity to stop, pause, and breathe. Stop, pause, and breathe. And so what we do is we root ourselves and self when we take this moment to stop, pause, and breathe. And we're able breathing deeply, create a little bit of separation between the sensations that are causing this, you know, reaction in our bodies and our minds and witness those parts of us that are afraid, who are trying to keep us safe by keeping us small, hidden, or quiet. And so when you feel that tightness and restriction in your chest, do you simply just say, oh, it's anxiety. There's that anxiety again. I'm just going to go on about my day. Or do you pay attention to what that anxiety is telling you? What is that sensation linked to? What thought, what belief is it linked to? What is the message that it wants to tell you in that moment? And are you willing to listen? Just to take that moment to listen. And so what if that sensation in your throat that makes it difficult to speak was tied to a part of you whose role is to keep you from getting hurt in another relationship? And what if you could become so familiar with this sensation and the belief tied to her that you could notice it as soon as it arises in your body and offer space for her to be present, but not drive your next thoughts or actions, not keep you from having that conversation with the person that you are so attracted to, who you resonate with? What if you could be centered in self and offer compassion to that part, but still be able to take the actions that move you towards your greatness, that move you towards what your heart truly desires? How would that feel? You know, this morning it felt, to me, I felt very centered and calm, as I mentioned. I felt a sense of certainty. So that fear of death can also be that fear of letting go of those identifiers and labels that we cling to. A part of us must die in order to expand. I'm going to repeat that. A part of us must die in order for us to expand. And the part I'm referring to is a part of our egos. Our stories must perish if we are to truly step into an expanded version of ourselves. And I work with this all the time. I was actually working with this yesterday. I have a dear friend who I was having a conversation with about this part of myself that I've been carrying around through my all of my adulthood. And it's impairing my ability to really thrive in one particular area of my life. And it's become frustrating and it's so intimately related to my past. So I had the choice to continue to carry that and let it impact my ability to fully step in, or I can choose to do the work that will start to clear this part, the part, the pain that's connected to that part. So these could be parts that are holding you back from fulfilling your destiny. Now, they're not bad. I'm going to repeat that. They just have this role that they've been playing, but that role is outdated now. 
And it's not rooted in truth. It's not rooted in self. And I, you know, I have this soul vision that requires me to be seen, seen by thousands or perhaps heard by thousands. There is a part of me that is terrified of being burned by criticism, shame, called out and ridiculed harshly. Like, who are you? You're not an expert, blah, 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 all that crap. And she has shown up for me as the perfectionist who simply wouldn't try if she couldn't trust it would be perfect. She, there's also the, the judge that shows up for me who, said, who asks, who do you think you are to do this? You're not smart enough. You don't have enough credentials or education or knowledge. And there's also a part of me that's the critic who tears everything apart after a failed attempt. And she'll just say, there's the proof. That's the proof right there. Don't try it again. I told you so. But as Theodora Roosevelt said, those who strive valiantly will err and come up short. It's going to happen. You will be marred by dust, sweat, and blood. But you will also know the great enthusiasm, the great devotion of aligning yourself to a worthy cause. So the origin of enthusiasm is to be inspired or possessed by spirit. So when we are inspired by spirit and aligned with our higher self, we have the courage to step in again and again, no matter how many times it takes. And we live in reverence and awe of something greater than our egos and small, scared selves. With dedication and devotion, we come to our practices consistently over a long period of time so that when the day comes, when we hear a calling, we know it's time to expand again. We can step into that arena bravely. It's not without fear, but we, can st- we have more courage, more bravery to step in and know that regardless of whether we get marred and muddy, we will arrive more resilient, more rooted in self. And with a sense of triumph over the parts of our ego that would have kept us on the sidelines. And in doing so, women, we give power and inspiration to other women to do the same. Because through witnessing the power and the presence and the purpose of other women, we can feel the calling of our own power and presence and purpose. It can be scary. It can be so flippant scary. And But it is so important to do this because when we do, what we're doing is we, I mean, we actually feel the fear of our ancestors in our bones, in our bone marrow, in our DNA. But with our dedication and devotion, there will be less fear. There will be more joy and there will be a strengthening in our capacity to manifest a world that once again honors the feminine, community, the environment. And it's a place where we can feel safe to step in, speak up, live, lead, and love unapologetically. Oh, I'm going to take a deep breath in for that one. So what I'd like to do is talk a little bit more about the mantra that I was using uh, and I have been using over the last couple of months and the mantra that helped me feel really steady and centered and grounded this morning. And I'm going to share more about that after this short break. But if you like, definitely go connect with me. I'm building a community of women and the way the best way to connect to me is just in a one-on-one and we can build our community one person at a time. So you go to lindsaymccowan.com, go down to the clarity call, click on it, book a time, and we'll have a really beautiful conversation and get to know one another.
Okay, we'll be right back after this short break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv goddess to sign up today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Hello and welcome back everyone to Women Thriving Unapologetically. And if you are joining in from Voice America site, you probably saw that the show is based on uh, the Enneagram, which we're not talking about today. Dear Shannon, I had a migraine today. And so I stepped in and I did not have time to change the title of the show or update it. I don't even know what the title of this show is going to be. So if you're listening and you have an idea, just email me at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com because I do need to change it. So we've been talking about how to really, I guess, what is the theme of the show? It's really to step into our power and how we do that. And and for me, it's been through these, these practices, these spiritual practices that are really grounded in an oral tradition that is thousands of years old and really is rooted in the divine feminine. Now, recall that at the very beginning of the show, I said that I have this mantra practice that I've been working with, and it is a Durga mantra, and Durga is a Hindu goddess. And I'll tell you a little bit more about her, but this mantra that I've been using is actually specific for helping to release fear and invoke the invincible light of courage. I mean, how, I mean, my friend always says, you can't make this shit up. And it's true because this mantra found me many months ago. I didn't consciously seek it out, but at some level I was seeking it and it was seeking me. And it came to me quite beautifully. I was listening to it, a completely different mantra in a course I was in. And somehow this mantra came in. It wasn't part of the course, but it came in through SoundCloud and it just started playing. And there was some, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know the translation. I just knew it was for me. I could feel it. 
And then the creator, she's not the creator of the mantra, but the, of this uh, variation of it, this beautiful melody of it, Stephanie Chi Berea, who has been on the show, by the way, her episode was From Fear to Belonging. Highly recommend listening to that. And she has several mantras on SoundCloud, so be sure to check them out. She was the one who created it, and I reached out to her, and she shared the, the translation with me. And I was like, it's perfect. This is what I've been needing, the invincible light of courage that releases all of these fears that have been holding me back from really stepping into this more expanded state that I know I can see clearly as a vision that is aligned with my heart. But these fears are keeping me just what I'm meant to be doing just out of reach. And I've been feeling this mantra and how powerful it is working on me. I mean, just to tell you a little bit about Durga, she is a warrior goddess. She is both an Amazonian warrior and a mother goddess. She is the legendary goddess mother of the 10 Mahavidyas, which are the great wisdom goddess of the Hindu tantric tradition. And they represent different distinct aspects of divinity that are intent on guiding the spiritual seeker towards more liberation. And Durga is the epitome. Her signature is the epitome of inner strength, shelter, protection, and even community. She is the power behind spiritual awakening, and she's that inner force that unleashes spiritual power within the human body. And she is one of the most popular goddesses in India because she represents contemporary liberation and power. And so when you invoke her Shakti, Shakti is her energy. What happens is that she'll be, she'll start to empower your most radical aspirations and she'll call forth the leader within you and guide you through some of the most difficult challenges that you'll experience. So again, like, think about this. Like she's this, I've been working with this mantra for months. And in this moment, this morning, right before I was getting ready to chant her mantra again, this challenge came up and I I was so in my presence, in my sense of self, that the courage was already there. And it didn't feel like that courage, like, okay, I'm so brave. And like this pushy, like pat, like this over, this big energy. It was just who I was in that moment. It wasn't outside of me. It was who I was in that moment. And it was just, it was just like, okay, that's who I am in this moment. Let's go with this. Didn't mean that I didn't feel nervous right before we went on air, but, but she is the most, one of the most powerful goddesses in India, Durga. And, you know, she, her energy is this powerful energy that can really start to unravel those tight knots, those deep beliefs, maybe even those karmic beliefs and those ingrained habits that keep us safe, small. Remember, we have generational trauma from years of being burned, ridiculed, beaten, imprisoned, pushed down, forgotten. And so she can help really unravel those knots. Her Shakti, her energy is one that can dissolve the neural patterns in our brains that keep us stuck in those past wounds, those past beliefs. She can release those neural patterns that keep us constricted and limited 
that can that limit our perspective and cause us to become so easily triggered and overwhelmed by thoughts and emotions and situations. She is the energy that breaks you free from the old structures of your mind, your body, and your heart. So she's pretty flipping badass. I mean, come on. What, what force can do that, all that, and even more? And so what I love about these goddess practices, I teach them in my Awaken the Divine Feminine uh, program where we take a goddess and we look at her and her energy and how it's showing up in us or how it might be dormant or neglected within us. And we do the practices to ignite those energies so that we get to embody them and feel them as who we are. Like this morning, I was like, okay, I'm not calling out to something to save me. I've been doing this practice long enough that it's becoming who I am. And so that's the promise of doing these work. And the promise of Durga is that she will always appear when you need her in crisis because she is that protection. She is the inner strength. So when I felt that, that challenge this morning come in, I go, oh, I don't have a show prepared today. My guest is canceling. I was like, you know what? I have this. Because I am the one that saves myself from me and my own inner shadows. I talked about this on my last solo show that I actually prepared for called Saving Myself From Me or something like that. But this energy, this Shakti is the embodiment of inner power to transform yourself, to let go of addictions, habits, beliefs, patterns, obstacles, and illusions and fears that hold you back. And the caveat is that you have to call upon that part of yourself for help. You have to awaken that part of yourself. You must consistently over a long period of time with awe and reverence, do the practices that can awaken these parts of yourself. Because women, those parts of ourselves has, have been pushed down. They've been, they've been so afraid to show themselves, to presence themselves out of a literal fear and a figurative fear of being burned. But when we awaken them, we start to feel this mysterious power start to become more present in our lives and become more active in our world. And you can call upon these parts of yourself through mantra, which I have been using, but also practices that I use are specific meditation, pranayama, visualization, and prayer. It's powerful when you utilize all these practices together. And so this mantra that has been helping me release fear, it is the fear that comes from an unstable mind. When our minds are not steady and rooted in self, it becomes rooted in fear. And the mantras and these practices bring us back into a homeostasis because the mind doesn't know what a real threat is and what is a paper tiger. What is the real tiger? What is the paper tiger? And so these mantras help stabilize the mind so that you can see clearly, oh, I am, this is who I really am. I am the courage. I am the compassion. I am the strength. I am all of these things. And so at that moment, after opening that email and telling here, reading that my guest was canceling, I didn't feel the fear. I didn't rush, like I said before, and start typing away at my computer. I pulled up this mantra and I started chanting and I felt the power of the mantra as me, which is clarity and steadiness. I wasn't, you know, this bold, forceful power, but the force of power that is inner strength and the invincible light of courage. I felt her power within me as me. And so the breath is this integral 
key to a goddess practices. And this is what I teach as we go through this program together. And it's the bridge between our physical self and the subtle energies of the these invisible worlds. And it's one of the most powerful practices we can do to connect to goddess energies. And that we can imagine like with each inhale that we draw in this loving, protective, empowering energy. And with each exhale, we breathe that energy through our body. So for example, with Durga, we could breathe in that sense of strength and courage. And then we exhale, we just feel that strength and courage igniting the cells of our body. We can breathe in that empowering energy, that protective energy, and feel that within the cells of our body, that we become the the protectress of our own selves, that we become the empowered, embodied goddess. And so women, we all have this power within us just waiting to be awakened, and you have the capacity to ignite it. If I can do it, you can do it. You hear that all the time, but it's so true. And so if you want to learn how to be part of a growing community of women willing to step into the arena, I am taking those calls to learn more about my upcoming Awaken the Divine Feminine program. We have a conversation first so that you have the ability to speak with me one-on-one and decide together if it's the right fit for you and you get to ask all the questions and that of how you can be guided step-by-step through the process of healing the wounds that hold you back that keep you fearful, untrusting, or riddled in self-doubt. And I'll show you the transformative tools. I'll show you how you can move towards your goals in spite of the challenges and how to thrive unapologetically. And we use the goddess practices. And yes, Dorga is one of those goddesses to awaken the capacities and energies within us so that we can truly release, release the past and help us step into our power, presence, and purpose and help other women to do the same because we are the leaders of the next generation. We are the change that this world so desperately needs. So if you feel called to step into the arena with me and with many other women who are ready, then all you have to do is go to my website, book a complimentary clarity call. My website is lindsaymccowan.com. That's L-Y-N-S-I-E-M-C-K-E-O-W-N.com. And we'll be able to start this journey together. So thank you so much for staying with me throughout this show and allowing me to step into this arena today and step into my next level of greatness. So I'll be looking forward to hearing from you very soon on one of those complimentary calls. And also see you next week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically. Much love to each and every one of you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving Unapologetically. We hope we've inspired you to claim your birthright to thrive. Tune in next week where we will continue to give you the tools you need to flourish, prosper, and thrive. Until then, have a beautiful week.